Hey there, Ethan here. Before we get into today's episode about World War Z, which is great and filled with a ton of useful information, not just zombie geekdom, I wanted to let you know that I got an amazing email from Olive, a six-year-old who listens to the show and loves it and loves the theme song specifically. And so I have inserted her into the theme song. That's what you're about to hear. It's kind of a remix uh, bad science theme song. So enjoy that. Enjoy the episode. I'll see you next week. And thank you not only to her, but to everybody who writes in. It really means a lot to me. And I promise you, I will get to all the movies that you are suggesting in your emails. Okay, so without further ado, it is the official bad science theme song, Olive Remix. Hey, Ethan. My name is Olive, and I'm six, and I love you so. And thank you for the song. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, your host. This is the show where we break down the science of a movie with a scientist and a comedian. And today we are talking about 2013's World War Z which I guess rhymes with World War III, so there's that. It's kind of cute. Maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. I don't have the creators of the film on the show. Who I do have is two unbelievable guests. First of all, she is an old pal of ours. You probably remember from the Contagion episode. She is a microbiologist, a science communicator, and co-host of the Seeker podcast, Surprisingly Brilliant, Marin Hunsberger. Hello, 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 Colin in from London. Really? You're in London? Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting a, a second degree at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in Medical Microbiology. So I'm in London. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so what's the difference, uh, because I'm a moron, between medical microbiology and just microbiology? Oh, my gosh. You're not a moron at all. That's such a great question. Um, so medical microbiology is basically anything microbial that makes you sick. So any microbe that's relevant to human health, whereas Ooh. there are microbes like all over the world, right? They're in our soil. They're really important for plants. So that's kind of the the two different worlds, the separation of like human health microbes and non-human health microbes. Okay, it sounds to me, and I don't want to simmer it down here, but like the medical microbiologist might be a lot more useful than the microbiologist. Oh, but I'm know. a human, I'm biased. <laughs> I have some colleagues and friends who would be very angry with me if I agreed with you. And granted, I chose to study microbes relevant to human health, so I am biased. But all microbes are really cool, Ethan, I do have to say. Microbes are really important parts of ecosystems. There are ones in the soil that are super important to plant health and they help us grow food that we can eat. Love to there eat. are also ones that can help absorb carbon dioxide and so can fight climate change. There are ones that can clean up oil spills. So mm. technically, any microbe can link back to humanity if you try hard enough. Okay, I'm with you. Both super important. Now now <laughs> I've changed my mind. And the Contagion episode that you were on with your co-host from Surprisingly Brilliant, Greg Foote, that was, I can't believe, so long ago now because... It was like seven pandemic years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to put it. But yeah, we're still in the pandemic. And I want to ask you a lot of coronavirus questions, but let's keep that on the back burner for now. And then maybe, yeah, towards the end, we can for like... For sure, for sure. And there are some things that relate too, you know, so we'll, we'll touch on it, I'm sure. Okay, fantastic. Speaking about uh, touching on it, I would love to touch our next guest. Is that a weird segue? Is that strange? <laughs> I'm fine with it. 
<laughs> I thought you might be. He's a stand-up comedian based in San Francisco. His name is Mark Smalls. Yay! What's up? What's up? How are we doing? Yeah, I'm definitely not uh, working on any uh, college degree, actually. Uh, but we'll, we'll, maybe I'll get my first in a, in a couple years. Are you, like me, a man without a degree? I am. I am. I am a man without a degree. But uh, I have been working on my kill-death ratio in Call of Duty since the quarantine Ooh, happened nice, so nice, nice. it's uh it's been a, it's been a good productive seven months so far so you have like a license to kill maybe not a degree but <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't say a license a certificate I would, a certificate I would say maybe a permit maybe a learner's there permit a learner's permit to kill <laughs> um speaking of these first person shooters world war z guys i don't know if this was your first time watching the movie i want to get your whole breakdown let's start with you mark were you just psyched up and pretending to shoot all these zombies oh man what a what a movie what a non-stop action-packed kind of boring movie you know it was, uh, <laughs> it's fascinating to have both it was uh yeah i don't i was just con moving my eyes left and right on the screen and and in sheer boredom it seemed like almost so packed with action it, it was okay it was okay it was there was there were some interesting things but it, it wasn't my favorite film Wow, not your favorite film. Usually when I speak to people and I say, what's your favorite movie? It's like World War Z, instantaneous World War Z, uh, The Godfather. No way. <laughs> no, no one, no one has ever said that. <laughs> um, was it? Was this your first time watching it then? That's what it sounds like. Uh, I think it was. I think I had seen like clips here and there. I may have even like watched the ending to it years ago, you know. Hilarious. But, That's just yeah. a common thing that you do. You watch the endings of movies. I feel like if I if I don't get into a movie real right away, if I have it, I'll just kind of watch the ending or read about it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Marin, what was your take on this? This was my first time watching World War Z. Um, I'm definitely not like a thriller kind of guy. Well, actually, that's not true. I like a thriller. Mm. I hate zombie movies. <laughs> I hate zombie movies. I think they're so stressful. <laughs> they make me like sweat like when the zombies are like crawling up the wall. I, I, ooh. So this was a tough watch for me, Ethan, but I did it for you. Thank you. Um, And it, yeah, I, I would go with Mark in that like I found it stressful and simultaneously like, Jesus, there's more. So this yeah. is happening again. <laughs> okay, more chasing, more screaming. Cool cool yeah. uh, so it was definitely interesting to get through I think I had more fun watching it to pick apart the science than I would have had watching it like actually just to watch it because the science is so bad oh awesome. this is what I wanted to hear this is great because I was like well this movie is probably accurate that's why they picked it it's probably an accurate science film and now okay. you're saying it's, that I'm, uh, I'm Mark, welcome this to the show, and uh, let me just say that has nothing to do with how we're picking our movies. Uh, <laughs> it's it's basically just based on the topic, but yeah, it, it definitely ranges. I mean, some movies are fairly accurate, but I will say movies in general have a tendency not to be. Like, that is the rarity when they're based in science fact. But yeah, this one was pretty crazy. I have notes that are kind of all over the board, Marin. I have, I mean, like, for example, the first thing I wrote down was... Can I break a windshield with my head? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Ooh, that's a ooh, great, great first question. <laughs> Thank no. It's <you>. <laughs> the answer. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, it depends on how old the car is, I guess. And I'm not a physicist or a material scientist, but like, I'm pretty sure that the velocity at which you have to be thrust through a car windshield to like actually break through it is 
incredibly high like you know something you would see in a car crash so with the way this zombie is just like sitting on the car hood and smashing their head into the windshield over and over again i am pretty sure that their skull would be beaten to a pulp well before it would actually break through the windshield damn Okay, oh my god, I have I have the, the main issue with this is that A, there's no pathogen in the world that acts this fast. Like they turn right. what it's like twelve seconds or something, like they're always counting down, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing acts that fast. Fastest you may get like something like death is like twenty-four hours, maybe six, depending on how you ingest it or if you're injecting it and how much. It's crazy hmm. that this act so fast like it's not realistic at all and it totally transforms the whole body right it affects the nervous system the brain apparently their sense of smell by the end we find out right and like based on this windshield to the head scenario makes their like skeleton stronger makes them super fast and agile right like nothing changes your body in such a significant way It's just, oh, God, it's so not real. Yeah, that was definitely the main (laughs) issue that I thought we were going to run into was the, yeah, whatever it was, 10 seconds, 12 seconds of infection rate where you are just like zero to 100. It's not even like you're sort of feeling the symptoms after 12 seconds. You are a hundo (laughs) percent zombie. Toast. (laughs) Yeah. And And it started... Didn't they say it started, it used to take like five minutes, five to 10 minutes, and then it just, mm-hmm. it, it gradually evoluted within three days to five seconds? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but that- Love that. There, Love a pathogen that reacts so fast. There is some sort of truth in that these viruses can like mutate, right? And evolve. So I guess- For sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you know what's interesting is, um, you know, most viruses, obviously they don't have like a goal, right? That we're so we're anthropomorphizing here, but the goal of a virus is just to replicate and survive as long as possible to replicate. And so it wants to be transferred from host to host. And so if you look at this virus in this movie, it's like a really bad it's really bad at its job in the sense that like, yes, okay, anybody who's bitten gets it, but eventually you're going to get a whole gene pool where there's nobody else to bite, right? So that's what they have at the end is like just whole cities full of dormant dormant zombies. And so the goal of a virus is to keep being able to transfer from host to host. And so most viruses actually tend to evolve to be less destructive to the host oh. so that they can like chill in the host and keep being passed on from person to person. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So they don't, yeah, yeah. That's because so they don't want to burn out. You know what I'm saying? They want to feed exactly. on exactly. But this one, yeah. they they were trying to. I mean, listen, if getting that zombie virus is going to harden my skull into something where I could just throw it around, start breaking windshields, I'm kind of with it. I'm not, Climb up walls, yeah, yeah, and have crazy energy too. Like these guys are oh, jacked yeah, they never up. Eat right. I, it seems like they just sprint. Right, exactly. Do you think the pathogen affected that garbage truck in the beginning of the movie? <laughs> it was just barreling through cars like it was some sort of uh, zombie vehicle uh, from the future. The thing looked like it was yeah. going 25 miles per hour, yet it, it knocked out 25 cars. And it didn't even get a dent. It didn't even get a right. dent. And also didn't seem to slow down that much. I feel like physics-wise. The way they build garbage trucks these days, man. I think it was Keanu and Sandra Bullock from uh, Speed uh, just kind of making an appearance, just keeping it above 45. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe that is part of, because it does seem like when people get infected, it's like pedal to the metal, give it everything we got. So maybe, I don't know, somehow it translated into one that was driving a garbage truck. And he was like, I just got to move. I'm trying to be a productive member of zombie society. (laughs) I'm trying to get a promotion over here. Uh, Good old zombie garbage truck. (laughs) Yeah, I just, 
I feel like that's my main issue is that like this pathogen seems to change almost all of human physiology and gets to the brain so freaking fast. And it's like nothing changes your body that much and also still allows you to have so much like autonomy, like so much function, so much mm-hmm. increased uh, power, I guess. Like, What about like radical. cocaine? Isn't that like instantaneous? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, Ethan. I've never tried it. Me neither, I, Ethan. I'm not asking you. <laughs> well, let's talk well, about Adderall. No, hold on a second. <laughs> I don't know if I've, I believe you. The mark sounded a little sarcastic, but I'm not going <laughs> to not going to delve into it. Um, and I'm not saying either of you have tried it, but from what I have seen in movies, because I also am too scared to try it or smart to try hey, it. There you go. It seems like that's an instantaneous boost, man. Yeah. So the interesting thing about a compound or a chemical is that something like that can act faster than a pathogen depending on how that compound is delivered into the body so like cocaine for example is usually inhaled i've seen that in movies um and it has pretty direct access to the brain through its mode of delivery but that's different from a pathogen especially from a virus because viruses have to take over your cell machinery they can only live inside your cells so even viruses that do want to eventually make their way to your brain those are called neurotropic viruses all of that like traveling i guess is happening on the time scale of cell replication and they have to travel up your nerves to get to your brain so they are taking the long way around especially when compared to something like a compound got it okay that makes sense so you're saying that that coke is good <laughs> that's all that's, i was hearing Marin. not an Dog. official line I'm, I'm gonna stick by <laughs> heard the same thing mark um oh, don't quote me on good. that that's been the podcast i gotta get to some studying <laughs> Oh, frick. (laughs) Okay, they tell people, I think on a radio or some sort of like standardized messaging from the government to stay indoors and have enough food supplies for one to two weeks. Do you think that that is good advice? Because then Brad Pitt's character who I don't remember his name. I don't think anybody knows his name. Is his name Jerry? I think his name is Jerry, which is no kind of way. Like a really weird name for an action protagonist. <laughs> I got to look that up. But okay, while I look that up, he tells this family that like movement is life and there's a better chance if you come with us and keep moving. So how did you, how did you feel about that advice? Very good question, Ethan. If we're talking about infectious diseases that would actually affect, uh, you know, real situations, um, being inside, staying inside, absolutely. Like trying to minimize transfer and um, uh, spread of the disease throughout the population as much as possible. I mean, it's what we're all doing right now um, when we're asked to stay home and isolate during coronavirus. And it's really, really good advice for stopping the spread of transmission. And it's really important so that um, healthcare facilities don't get overwhelmed and so that we can figure out what the next steps are. Hmm. Okay. So staying indoors is smart. I definitely want to (laughs) try to highlight that for people in case you guys are not doing that. Hugely important, dude, for (laughs) infectious disease when we do not have control over the spread of a virus staying inside not traveling movement is not life don't listen to jerry (laughs) stay stay inside fuck jerry (laughs) stay inside your car is what uh is what the cop told me to do in the meeting of the movie stay inside that actually that almost sounded like brad do you have a brad pitt impression in your back pocket mark i uh uh, looks wise i've been told okay here we go striking resemblance you know what my favorite thing about brad pitt though in this movie is is that at every stage hair is still totally perfect he's shooting a zombie in the face and has like not one hair out of place oh yeah yeah it's it's golden blonde i mean he's just he's just a 
perfect specimen of a human. I want whatever pathogen he's on. Yeah. Long, luscious locks. Yeah, and I, I love how it's kind of a, you know, a classic motif or something in these movies where, like, the hero is also just, like, calm, cool, collected. Like, there's so many people freaking out around him, and he just has this, like it's all good demeanor almost yeah he just i just could not care less the whole movie about him i and and and, and it was because he was collected and cool and it was like I all right, well if he's not stressed like why should i be stressed right i feel like his face at any given moment in the movie was like well this might as well happen yeah i mean like <laughs> i mean like i don't want to spoil the movie for people but halfway through when they introduce that one scientist and then he just dies and he's Bro, like that yeah. was the funniest part of the movie to me Hilarious. he just immediately his head immediately explodes they open the door to the plane and he dies immediately and then after uh, delivering uh, yeah. like what i might say is like the worst scientific speech of all time that literally just calls mother nature a bitch and does a horrible job explaining what we look for about pathogens yeah oh, really <laughs> i really because when i heard that i just was like oh yep that's uh that's science right there i'll, I'll go to my grave thinking so that painful. about viruses <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. In general, I didn't have that many issues or, like, huge qualms with the movie. But in that one section, I have multiple questions. First of all, they really build up this doctor to be, like, the answer. Like, this is yep. just a classic comedy uh, oh, move. It was, it, it was insane. It, and this was my issue with it was there's a part in the uh, the briefing room or whatever where they have like the 500 TVs that everyone's watching the same thing. And it's right. like, why can't we just have one big TV? Uh, <laughs> so there's a part where the head guy he goes to Brad Pitt and he says, you know, this doctor, he's, a, he's just a kid. And it's like, all right, I'll go. And it's like, you're going because he's just a kid like that. You're going to go. For you have kids. We've been hanging out with your kids this whole time. Why don't you just so hang out with about your, kids. your kids? Why do we care about this? This guy is Great 34 point. years old. And That's he's a not a kid, by the That's way. That's not a child. <laughs> you have kids. Ooh. I loved that. And the fact that they were like, he's so useless. He'd never make it on the ground without you. And it's like, would anybody? Yeah, like, he, not this this specific guy only, but like, we've had Navy SEALs, like droves of Navy yeah. SEALs die. Like, you think this guy's yeah. got particular risk? And he still didn't make it with you. So God. did you kill him by showing up? Also, this guy has no training. This guy's never seen a gun or used a gun before, yep. and you're just going to give him one. Everyone around you has machine guns and stuff. What are it's you doing? It's pretty funny. And actually, this is this is another point that I was, I was hoping I would get to make, is that the fact that they even go looking in general, like the fact that they bring this virologist to like supposedly, I guess, look for patient zero or find the beginning of the outbreak, right? Mm -hmm. That's important because we do need to understand where it came from because that will help us understand like what it might be similar to maybe we know something that's like it but like in the case of something like coronavirus we had already sequenced its genome so we didn't really need to like go, go back to find right because we knew what it was like it's always helpful more information is always helpful i'm not saying it's not necessary but 
especially in this scenario, like going back to the beginning is not going to help you figure out what the heck. It's always it's, it's always the, the answer, the Marin, in these movies. For I don't know why, but it's always like, if we can get to the origin, we can stop it. And it's like, why you know are those why? things you know, connected? I was thinking about this, and I think it's because what would actually be helpful is just literally being in the lab 15 hours a day, running samples, sequencing, doing mm. boring pipette work. And that's not as, uh, not as sexy, yeah. not as exciting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, instead they got to turn every <laughs> virologist into an Indiana Jones character where they're smelling the blood of zombies going, we're on the right track. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and I also, I have that quote because I really thought this part was so funny. He's talking about Mother Nature, this doctor who dies immediately and is was supposed to be the savior of the movie. And he's like romanticizing viruses, I guess, like really hard. Really hard. Like really hard. Yeah, erect. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> 100%. Okay, so the, my main issue with that is that He's going on and on about how Mother Nature is a killer and Mother Nature is a bitch and Mother Nature wants to kill you. It's like, not, no, it's random, random, chaotic. Like the the main base fundamental thing about a natural selection contributing to evolution is fitness, inheritance. Like, can you pass your genes on to the next generation? So it's not about killing, it's about surviving. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he says, um, quote, Sometimes the thing you thought to be the most brutal aspect of the virus actually turns out to be the chink in its armor. She loves okay. disguising her weaknesses as strengths. She's a bitch. Yeah, love love that last line. But so actually, the, the only part about that quote, minus the anthropomorphization. I was going to say, are viruses female? <laughs> mother no, viruses nature. are agender. Oh, mother viruses nature, aren't, okay. aren't even maybe alive question mark we Ooh. actually don't there's a big debate in the virologist community about whether or not viruses are alive because they can't replicate on their own right they have to insert themselves into human cell or alive cells rather Whoa. um to replicate so are they alive are they not alive we don't know there's not an agreement but the thing about like the thing you thought was the strength is actually its weakness <sighs> i mean it's highly over dramatized but it does express a cool truth that like the thing that makes a pathogen dangerous, so we call that a virulence factor, something that helps it adhere to a cell or something that helps it replicate. Um, all of these are virulence factors. All of those are typically what we target when we make a vaccine. So because maybe they're a surface structure for a virus or a bacteria, because you can make a bacterial vaccine, because they're like identifying structures about that pathogen, there's something you can target to say to your body, hey, look out for that thing, get rid of that thing. So eh, that part of the quote actually does an okay job, but the rest of it is crap. Got it. <laughs> also, why has there not been a huge Hollywood movie called The Virulence Factor? That's great. Oh, man. Pretty good, right? Yeah, Thank you. That's kind of what I want to call myself in the bedroom, dude. The Virulence <laughs> Factor. That's my... Uh, yeah, that's, that's sexy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, going back to that idea of pathogens that have evolved to be less detrimental to their host, is that a lot of STIs have done that. Like syphilis, which is a bacteria, for example, used to be more rapidly progressing to a super severe state. And it seems throughout time that it has evolved to affect the host less severely so that you're asymptomatic for a longer time, meaning you're able to pass it to more people. Whoa. And then, Speaking of the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. And now I take back everything I said about the virulent factor. Okay. I was, you know, you, I Leave it, leave it to you, Marin, to just kind of... Just thought I'd pop that in there yeah. and burst the sexy bubble. <laughs> Sorry. Drive a uh, garbage truck through my dreams. All right. 
<laughs> um, okay, they talk about the Spanish flu, which obviously we've heard about a bunch of times living in 2020, but they mention it in this movie as well. So maybe you could like sum up what happened in 1918, if I'm not mistaken, and how they conquered War. it. You're asking Marin, right? You're not asking <laughs> no, no. me. No, no. I'm asking you, Mark. Asking oh, okay. Uh, let me tell Mark, you about Mark, you're a well-known influenza virus expert, yeah, obviously. I knew, for some reason, I knew he was asking you, but for a split second, I got nervous. <laughs> no, no. Like, oh, shoot. Was I supposed to read about this? Mark, you're absolutely correct. And actually, <laughs> if you could give us historical context too, Mark. So tell us what was happening during the turn of the century and then <laughs> what was happening going into 19. And you know what? Let's just let's just garbage truck right through that and tell us about uh, the stock market crash. Uh, in 1929, please. There you go. So I've always wanted to know this. What is the stock market? <laughs> <laughs> Asking the real questions. Wait, I also have this question because I think that I have a conspiracy theory that the stock market is made up and we're all believing oh, in something ab- that's absolutely. like absolutely. 100%. You're absolutely 100% true. Yeah, man. that's oh, correct. That's, you're 100% right. Don't even worry about it. Okay, that. thanks. Yeah, take it from two guys without degrees. The stock market does not exist. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, this is the advice I'm trusting. This is the advice I'm trusting. So when we talk about the Spanish flu, the Spanish flu is influenza and it's caused by a virus called influenza virus. Um, and it's a respiratory virus. Virus, which means that like COVID-19, like cold viruses, it spreads through respiratory droplets, you know, somebody breathing, coughing, sneezing on you. And the influenza virus strain that came about in, in 1918 was incredibly infectious, meaning it was super easy to get it. Um, and it just so happened to be a strain that was incredibly deadly. Um, this was also during the time of like World War One, I, I suppose. And so there was this mass movement of people on a scale that had kind of never been seen before. So soldiers, like huge boats of soldiers wow. going to and from different places. And so it was really easy to spread it from continent to continent. So it was incredibly deadly. Um, we saw actually, if you look up a Spanish flu pandemic mask pictures, there was also this back and forth between maskers and anti-maskers. Wow in 1918 like we have just come full we haven't learned shit yeah pretty much pretty much or we've learned that there will always be dissenters anyway so when when the when the doctor says they've just introduced him as like they're shining hope and it cuts to him and he's (laughs) handing out papers and he's like you know what it reminds me of is the spanish flu i wish you could have seen my face because i was like are you actually serious (laughs) Because the Spanish flu is a respiratory virus. I, this is yeah. this is a bite transmitted. Uh, He's, I was just like, okay, if this is the best we've got here to to talk about the science, then we're really hurting. Yeah, they, <laughs> oh, that's so bad. They just oh, needed something no. to like ground it in science. It was I guess so painful. I think like he was probably talking to the infectiousness of it mm. because it spreads so easily. But even there, like the comparison is negligible. <laughs> Man, so oh. did it just work its way through? you know, society over and over again until there was a vaccine or... Yeah, okay. yeah. So the, the flu virus, the the end of the pandemic comes in this uh, summer of 1919. So it's about like a year and some months uh, when the pandemic ends because those that are infected either die or develop immunity. Mm. So that's a situation where you get a virus kind of like Mark said earlier, burning out. But it's really worth keeping in mind that 
immunity to a virus, especially like the flu, especially like coronavirus, you get immunity to one single strain, right? That's why we have to get a new flu vaccine every year because it's like the our best guess at what strains are going to be most prevalent that flu season. Wow. And they're all going to be different from ones in the past that you may have encountered. So you won't have immunity probably to the ones that are coming up. And with COVID, we don't know a lot about the immunity that you get in your body from having had it. We don't know if it lasts a long time. We don't know if you can get reinfected like you can with the flu. So this idea of trying to work towards something like herd immunity is really a moot point. It's not even a consideration if we don't have a vaccine. This is, um, we're recording this in the morning and uh, I feel like that was potentially a mistake. Could ruin my day. I'm concerned (laughs) that even when we get the vaccine because right now the moment we're recording this there's like there's been news the past day or two i think it came out yesterday Mm -hmm. that there's you know like a 94 95 percent effective vaccine and that it's going to be coming out in the next few months but when i'm hearing you discuss this marin it sounds like there's these different strains that we could get and that even after we're vaccinated or immune etc that we still have you know like no clue what the future may bring as far as this virus is concerned that is unfortunately what I'm saying, Ethan. I'm really sorry okay, well then. <laughs> to ruin your day. But here's the thing. The progress towards the virus has truly been like completely amazing. And the fact that the scientific community came together so fast to find this solution is totally, totally incredible. And it is going to change a lot about our situation, definitely. But there's still so much we don't know about the virus. And hopefully a vaccine is going to tell us more like about how our bodies remember the virus, how our immune system react to it. But if anything, a vaccine is definitely only the beginning. It's not the end of the road by any means. So sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to sleep good tonight. Let yeah. Me tell you. Get cozy because uh, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish when I was watching the movie, they had like our, our president uh, in the movie just like denying the zombies <laughs> and being like, oh, listen, we're going to develop a herd immunity. Don't worry about it. Just and being... all the scientists behind him are going, no. Yeah. And he's, no. people are just getting eaten alive. And he's going, we got to get back to work. Okay. We got. <laughs> <laughs> we can't let these zombies get us down. Got to get the garbage trucks back on the road. Yeah, yes, open yes. up the schools. <laughs> this is going to be God. gone by Easter, guys. And then just up yeah. zombies murdering a child behind him. Uh, so painful. So, so it's got to be so frustrating watching. Because I'll say this, like, I, you know, growing up, I was a skateboarder. And there's not a lot of movies that involve skateboarding. But when they do, it is the most horrifying experience to watch because they never get it right. Like, it's so bad. And I can only imagine being a scientist watching a movie because every movie has some sort of science. (laughs) And it's got, it's, I couldn't even, I couldn't watch movies. No movie. I could never do it. Sometimes you just got to give up and play a drinking game. My favorite (laughs) is when they're in the lab and they, they have like clear test tubes oh. and f- flasks and things all full of different colored liquids like green and blue yeah, and red yeah. and they're in there without gloves nope, on or nope. like the the sexy female scientist has her hair down and you're like that's yeah, not allowed that's <laughs> so funny because it, it with skateboarding it's the opposite because they have all the pads and the gloves and the knee pads and oh, the wrist yeah, guard yeah. and it's like who they i don't even know they made mid arm pads what are those <laughs> what are you covering up 
they all have very responsible and concerned mothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a, a, the legal team of the actors union behind yeah, them. Exactly. <laughs> you just reminded me, I, I completely forgot about this part, but there's this hilarious security footage of a scientist who is handling the virus and just oh, basically dude. like butterfingers it and just drops it and be, gets infected. Literally, because that's that goes back to the thing where I was like, okay, that's what we would be doing with this pathogen, right? Looking at the samples. That's what everyone did with the SARS-CoV-2 novel coronavirus when it first came out. You know, the samples were sent to these super high security facilities where we tried to sequence them. We tried to grow them. We tried to figure out what they were. And this guy gets the sample of the, of the novel pathogen and then just immediately just like stabs himself in the thumb. And you're like, what? oh, God. That was insane to me. I thought that was so funny. It was so bad. You know what's, what is interesting, though, is that does happen how does that happen oh it's rough so uh, this gets into a little bit of like controversial animal research but at high security laboratories and you know highest risk is like ebola things that are really really deadly and sometimes when we're studying those i don't personally ever study those but sometimes when those are being studied you're injecting them into like say a lab rat the lab rat is alive and is maybe squirming and you have a needle in your hand meant to inject the rat but it's happened a couple of times it's happened with ebola in a couple of places around the world oh my that they accidentally injected themselves with ebola dude yeah what a bad day at work how do you (laughs) how do you do that absolute (laughs) worst i mean i wait tables i you know i've spilled a couple of pepsis on myself dude i know mike you're expressing exactly exactly why i would never want to handle high security pathogens like this oh my gosh the pressure i am so much of i'm so clumsy there's just no freaking way i just don't know how you don't feel the prick like if you get pricked with it aren't you Oh, you do you do but but the thing about diseases with like ebola and so this comes back to the the end right where brad pitt is injecting himself with like whatever the heck is in the cabinet and the scientists on the other end are like not that one not that one um there are some pathogens that we don't have cures for so something like smallpox for example um something like polio those are still like stored and studied in some places but there are other examples of more relevant pathogens that are really 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 dangerous and we still study them and if you inject yourself or like accidentally expose yourself you know almost immediately but there's nothing you can do Damn. You're just oh sick. God. That's crazy. Where's the movie on that? I want to see that movie. Yeah, right. That would be. I think. I think the the CDC would probably be put the put the kibosh on that one. PR nightmare. It'd be like, no, would this never happened? We don't want to talk about yeah. that. It's just called the dunce. <laughs> oh man, what a bummer. <laughs> the goof. That's why we need robots to do it all for us. Yeah, true. Where's that? Well, maybe another few years. I want to give a shout out here because I I never really thought about it. Must be so frustrating and well maybe it's also satisfying and challenging but like to continually have to cure the flu every year (laughs) and and i guess cure coronavirus because if we have some sort of effective vaccine it sounds like they're gonna have to do that potentially every year now so Uh there's not one i don't know these movies make you think like once you crack the code it's unlocked and we got it under control. Mm-hmm. And th- that, it, I don't know, listening to you, it sounds like that's not at all the case. The case is now that we know how to stop it, we now have an ongoing 
investigation. There's just a never-ending task to cure and re-cure every strain of these viruses. Dude, that's such a good point. I'm so glad you said that. And actually, that was the only part of the movie that actually resonated with me was at the very end, Brad Pitt has this like dramatic, emotional monologue over like footage of recovering cities. And it's like, this is only the beginning. If you can fight, you have to fight. If you can, you know, uh, do good in the world, you have to do good in the world. And I think that really encapsulates what we talk about when we talk about studying infectious diseases. There's no one moment typically um, where you come up with a miracle cure and then it's over, right? It took us decades to eradicate something like smallpox. And that's not only the molecular and genetic information, that's immunology, that's public health campaigns, that's getting people on board with immunizations, right? It's so many moving parts. And so I think it's really easy to want to hold up one person, like in this movie, the dude who dies, or in our real life, someone like Fauci, who's a great guy, but like we want these figureheads, but really it's scientists, all hundreds and thousands of scientists all over the world working on all kinds of different stuff to build this group body of knowledge that will help move us just one tiny step further. Man, and then you have half the country being like, well, this thing doesn't actually exist. And yet hundreds of thousands of scientists are giving their lives to solve it. And this is why I think the communication about it is so important, because if we can make it a little more digestible or understandable and say, hey, listen, we don't have all the answers, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to us. Right. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Let's do this lightning round here, Marin, and obviously Ooh, Mark okay. chime in, please. But it's the holidays. Everybody's worried that, like I just saw a graph last night about the Canadian Thanksgiving rate. Oh, yeah. yep. Canadians are having more Thanksgivings now? It's unbelievable. <laughs> I hate it. They shouldn't That's be allowed. Massive amounts of you Thanksgiving. stop taking things from us. <laughs> They're going to take Thanksgiving from us and we don't even want it anymore? Now I want it. They're calling it. it Canadian turkey. Um, Unbelievable. No, so they're predicting that we're about to have, I mean, we have already been having like the past few weeks, like a huge spike in coronavirus cases and, and hospitalization rates are up. So how can we avoid this this spike that's, that's, you know, upcoming because of the holidays? I mean, do you advise people to not see their families? Should they just do the outdoor masked up dinners or like how do you recommend we move forward here yeah no that's a great question um and unfortunately i think the advice is something not a lot of people want to hear i know that we're having so much quarantine fatigue and people are really really tired of having to not see their loved ones especially around special occasions but i think the the most like brutal honest way that i can put it is by staying home and not seeing those you love you will undoubtedly save someone's life there is no question everyone will everyone will save a life by staying home and you know i know there may be people who are not going to take that advice and to those people i would say that if you're going to make that choice then before you see someone you need to be quarantining for two weeks and that means not seeing anybody right not going to the grocery store not seeing literally anybody outside of your household so that you are 100 percent sure that you have no coronavirus symptoms before you travel and then if you're traveling you're going to be exposing yourself again right so any exposure is a risk but you have to be 
you know, willing to stand by that risk. And if you want to put it really bluntly, you have to be willing to ask yourself if this choice that you're about to make is worth the risk of potentially killing someone. Man. And what about the testing phenomenon? Because there's a bunch of people, and I'm guilty of it too. I did a recording session with some friends back in LA, and it was a requirement that we all got tested, you know, a couple days before the session. So we had our results and then didn't see anyone. But there was, you know, just a matter of like trust, you know, and honesty of like, hey, you really can't see anybody because I'm about to see you. But you know, then I'm reading all this stuff about how like, well, it actually doesn't even matter that you got tested because the test could be inaccurate or you could, you know, it could be dormant. Well, it could so be, that's uh, interesting because so something that we do consider is that we want people to get tested if they think they've been exposed. So, for example, if you're going to get tested after you travel, the problem about the virus is that it does need a few days, actually five to seven days to incubate in your body enough to yield a positive what we call PCR test, one that tests for the genetic material material of the virus. That's the one where they stick a big swab up your nose or down your throat or both. Uh, so it does need incubation time. So if you think you've been exposed, you need to isolate for five to seven days, not see anyone just in case you might have it. And then you can get a test and be pretty confident that if it yields a negative, you are negative. The false negatives for PCR tests after that incubation period window is really low, and it's enough to keep the population as a whole really safe. But it does require, you know, that planning in advance uh, and the waiting after uh, perceived exposure, which can be really tough. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the part that I'm worried about is all these people, you know, seeing their family. There's no way that they're going to you know, no. quarantine for a week or two because they probably only have a week or two to spend with their family. Exactly. Well, and, and I, I saw a bunch of my, you know, infectious disease friends posting on social media, I think I think about a week ago, five days ago, saying if you are going to see family for Thanksgiving, you need to start quarantining today. So that was right. five days ago, you know. And so if you have passed that window, stay home, Zoom with your family. Um, you know, here in the UK, we have something called bubbles where uh, if you're a single adult household or if you're an adult who needs um, help at home and you can't be isolated, you can bubble with another family and that means um, you know that you can see them but only them and they can see you but only you right Mm -hmm. and so the way that you make that safe is you quarantine for two weeks before seeing each other and then you only see each other so if you can't go home you can bubble with friends or just do all virtual yeah like the nba does (laughs) yeah (laughs) take your cues from the greats Um, I would recommend, so, uh, you know, I'm a a microbiologist, I'm not an epidemiologist or an immunologist. And so if anybody's looking for more information on this, I would highly recommend to check out two people on social media and their names are Jessica Malati Rivera. She's on Instagram. She's sharing amazing information every single day, common questions that her audience asks her and she's an infectious disease specialist. And she's also part of the COVID tracking project. So she is staying up to date with day-to-day counts and trends. And then also a woman named Laura. Bristow. She's King Gutter Baby on Instagram. (laughs) Um, And she's doing the same. She's got a great video all about testing and tracing and why testing is so important and is valuable, even though it has its issues. Um, And she does uh, vaccine development work in North Carolina. So I would highly recommend anybody check out their accounts for more information. Awesome. Okay, good to know. Definitely checking out King Gutter Baby, that's for sure. Do it. She's I paying. also wish I would I had like a, a circle of infectious disease friends on Facebook. That sounds like a fun group. Mm-hmm. We're a blast at parties. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom parties, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and answer me this, crazy or cool, I've been doing the double mask move. Is that what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, big flex. Big flex. Thank you. Oh, look Thank at you. you. 
Oh, I, uh, Doc, I've been uh, I've been wearing uh, the mask on the side of my head because it's the N95 mask with a ventilator and they were sold out. So I just wanted people to know that I had a little bit of money, you know, and then I've been Sick. rocking the face shield in my back pocket. Showing it um, off. Yeah. Nice. Just so you don't of, get uh, coronavirus in your butt. Yeah. Yeah. That's my <laughs> coronavirus Actually, drip, you know. There was. Um, <laughs> so this is a little bit off topic, but there was. Uh, there is fecal transfer of COVID that has been explored. And there were some mm. uh, city public health guidelines. I think it was famously New York City public health guidelines was like, please refrain from rimming your partner. It could give you COVID. Wow. Just FYI. Mm. Mm. Now the podcast is starting. Okay. <laughs> do not see your family and do not rim your partner. And that, that I mean, that's, that's. Or a stranger. Yeah. Cool. Or a stranger. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Anybody, really? <laughs> Yeah. Just right now, just for right now. So it only takes twelve seconds, everybody. Twelve <laughs> oh, seconds, and you're fully Corona zombie. You're fully COVIDed out. <laughs> well, they say the rimming is is much like inhaling. So. Oh, is that right. what they yeah. say? Is that what they say, Mark? Ah, uh, um, yeah. So in, my, in my, my, to... my, my inhaling friends on Facebook. Oh, inhaling group. the inhaling friends. Yep, yep, yep. So, Ethan, in regards to your double masking question, it really depends on the mask. So, okay. the typically, you know, you would want as impermeable a material for your fabric as possible and so the, the the most important things the top three f's of mask fit if you, if you will are fit feel and fabric so it want it needs to be like something very impermeable so something that you kind of can't see light through right so if you hold it up to the light can you see light through it you would want your mask to be as opaque as possible and you want it to fit really closely around the bridge of your nose around your cheeks and around your chin mm -hmm. so if wearing a second mask helps you know really suction it on your face then that's fine and then feel is really important because you have to be able to still breathe in it you have to be able to not want to reach up and adjust it and touch it all the time right because that's it sort of defeats the purpose of not touching your face so to have it have those three f's if you still feel like you have those three f's with your double mask yeah. then that's great but i'm not saying it's necessary Interesting. Okay. I get a little paranoid sometimes when I have to go into a grocery store or something and it just helped ease my mind, but I wasn't sure if I was like placeboing myself or if no, there was... No, that's fine. Okay. If it makes you feel more comfy, that's great. And I will say, last time we talked, Ethan, we were talking about Contagion mm -hmm. and you asked me, I think in the Q&A that we did together after Contagion, you asked me whether the virus is airborne, right? Right. And the answer then was no, because airborne transmission had not been confirmed. And the answer now is yes. Mm. So we think that the virus does now travel in particles and is infectious in particles smaller than respiratory droplets. So it doesn't require having to be super close to someone who's talking without a mask and spitting. Christ. And that means that masks are now not just safe for keeping other people safe from you, but they also do provide you with some protection. Great. So if wearing two masks and having it be nice super nice and snug around your whole face is, is more comfortable for you emotionally then that's great and it provides you with some good protection that's good to know yeah i have i do the like n95 surgical type mask and then over it i have like a cloth mask so if you're trying to rock the way that i rock double mask that's nice that's what i do that's a good feel ethan you spend a lot of money on condoms or uh <laughs> no just the normal amount okay okay just the double mask question kind of threw me off a little bit <laughs> no i double bag if that's what you're asking <laughs> Can I get a uh, small and medium size, uh, kind of like uh, even out the fit? And do you guys have any cloth? Yeah, cloth. 
uh, uh, tourniquet something. That was one of the things that I, I definitely took issue with in the movie was the amputation scene. Oh, man. Because if yeah, you're trying to call. stop a neurotropic virus, like say rabies, for instance, right? Where like if you get bitten and then your concern is that if it reaches the brain, you're toast, which you are, then like you can technically amputate above the bite, but it totally depends on like how fast your heart is beating, how fast your blood is going to circulate, because mm-hmm. otherwise then you're just like have the virus in your bloodstream and you're one limb shorter. Yeah. yeah, my man Brad Pitt poured out like probably twelve bottles worth of alcohol off one of those little airport bottles of oh, the magic uh, trick. One, I I couldn't believe it. Uh, like just magically vodka kept coming out of one of those little bottles. Dude, when you're Brad Pitt, it flows, man. You are you're mm-hmm. just alcohol. It's a, it's a water into wine situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Anywhere that guy goes, it's vodka central. Yeah. Um. Okay. So wait, my last thing is I think people will be on road trips. I just took one, and again little bit paranoid maybe but maybe this is the move because everybody's kind of obsessed with the hand sanitizer which i totally get and i totally use probably too much all the time but i started carrying around in the car with me disposable gloves Mm. and so now anytime i you know leave the car or have to do something it's like you know i don't have any shame about it i just put on the gloves i do whatever i gotta do i think it also reminds me not to touch my face because i don't want to freaking touch my face with the gloves on and then you know when i'm done i just throw the gloves away so is that like wiser than just going around with my hands free to touch everything on the earth well uh, gloves are a tough one ethan because you kind of need to think of your hands like you kind of need to keep account right so say i touch the handle of the gas pump and then i haven't washed my hands and i go inside and i touch my credit card right now my credit card has been Infected. Yeah, effectively um, contaminated, let's say, by Mm. whatever is on the handle of the gas pump. That's true whether or not you're wearing gloves because the gloves are going to touch the gas pump. The gloves are going to touch the credit card. So if it helps you not touch your face, that's awesome. But you have to keep track of, okay, am I only touching things I don't want to bring with me with this glove? Or do I have to touch things that are going to come with me and that I am going to touch later with my hands also, right? So it's kind of up to you whether it makes you more comfortable, it makes you more conscious of what you're touching. Like you said, if it makes you touch your face less, that's great. I would still say like you still need to sanitize your hands afterwards. Mm -hmm. I would say you still need to sanitize your items afterwards, especially our phones, right? We touch our phones all the time. But I will say, so this is what we call fomite transfer. So the transfer of a disease from an item or a surface to a person rather than person to person transfer. We don't think fomite transfer for COVID is especially common um, or, you know, something to be really, really, really concerned about. It's absolutely person to person through the air, someone coughing, sneezing, talking close to you or in a room that you're in with poor ventilation. So as much as I'm totally on board with sanitizing your hands, sanitizing your items with anything that has alcohol 60% or higher, that's great. It's not something that I would be super, super, super preoccupied by. Okay. Good to know. So the the extra move then is I'm going to do the gloves. I'm going to pump the gas. I'm going to use my credit card, whatever. Responsibly, of course, pay my credit card. And then um, <laughs> get the points. Get the points. And then sanitize, wipe my credit card or whatever, you know, my keys, something else that I might have touched with the gloves. Totally. Yeah, pretty much. Just be keeping track in your head of like what you're touching, okay. you know? I, I always try to keep track of what I'm touching anyways, you know, just in life. <laughs> You'd be surprised by how much slips by you. Wasn't it? I think for Contagion, we lo- I looked up this stat about like how often people touch their face. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. Like 
200 to 800 times a day it's crazy and then it's like oh i wonder this is me in high school i wonder why i have so much acne well because you're touching freaking the floor and then your face all day idiot it's because you haven't washed your hands in six days yeah because you think washing your hands is boring ethan yeah asshole oh my god (laughs) um okay yeah i uh adore you both i'm so glad that you came on the show watched this movie that is all of our favorite movie where can people find you guys mark are, are you online are you ju- are you only on twitch what's your move i do i do have online i do uh, have online <laughs> mark yeah. is only analog these days mm-hmm. no i got online i think i got like two hours left on my aol disc <laughs> so um yeah you can find me online um i post stand-up clips and a bunch of like podcast clips on my instagram uh at uh, instagram.com slash mark underscore smalls and then I also play a lot of video games and uh, comment on, on videos and uh, do a bunch of podcasts online on Twitch. And every day that I go live, uh, that's at twitch.tv slash Mark Smalls Live. Awesome. You just also weirdly reminded me that Instagram is a website as well. I know, right? <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever said Instagram.com slash Mark. But I, I, I'm listening to Marin talk, and, and she's so smart and like right. a, a, and articulate, and then so I wanted Aww, to Mark. I wanted to like uh, I Raise wanted the to show my flex that I could say out the full hyperlink. It's uh https uh, <laughs> colon slash slash w dot yeah yeah that sounded really smart thanks mm-hmm. bud mm-hmm. <laughs> you you mm-hmm. get to make people feel better after i dash everyone's hopes and dreams forever <laughs> i just i i couldn't believe off the top of your head you're just coming out with all that information i i feel like i'm listening to a, a pre-recorded podcast oh well thank you <laughs> yeah. Ooh, i really appreciate that I, I, I'm, I'm excited to put all this new information in, in, into work my degrees and my student debt feel validated now mm, let's go <laughs> and i'm sure they didn't up until this moment so you're you're yeah, welcome absolutely. for that. Yeah, this was it. <laughs> um, Marin, surprisingly brilliant season two, I think when this comes out, is already out. Yes, sir. Yeah, our first couple of podcast episodes will be out for Surprisingly Brilliant Season 2. I'm so excited about this season. We explore all of the unknown, crazy, wild science history behind discoveries and people that you may recognize, but we tell the stories you've never heard. We talk about Rosalind Franklin this episode or this season, uh, the history of birth control, who invented the language of the universe. It's going to be a wild ride, so I encourage everybody to hop on over to Surprisingly Brilliant and subscribe and listen to those episodes if you can. Um, you can find Find me on Instagram. I'm at Marin B. That's Marin B-E-A on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on YouTube. I have my own channel, but I also work with Seeker as well, hosting videos and of course the podcast. So come on, check it out. Awesome. Yes, everyone, please follow both of these fantastic folks and definitely listen to Surprisingly Brilliant, another wonderful Seeker podcast, combining two of my absolute fascinations, history and science. And yeah, guys, thank you both for for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. Of course. Appreciate you. Be be safe during your holidays. You Mm -hmm. see you guys. Be well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. And the executive pit deucer, because I mean, let's be honest, the guy looks exactly like Brad Pitt, is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.